want, I want, I want me, 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 mine, 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 now, now, now. You know you're responsible for what you hear. You know you're responsible for what you hear. Welcome to Thoughts from Meharry Head, the weekly podcast where I talk about, well, whatever happens to be bouncing around inside my head at the moment, mostly focusing on constitutional issues and political decentralization. This is episode 101 of Thoughts from Meharry Head, and I appreciate you tuning in. This week, I'm going to talk about guns. midst of the great American gun debate again. We had another mass shooting, and that means everybody is all a Twitter about gun control and banning this kind of weapon and how horrible the NRA is and blah, blah, blah. I've got to be honest. In a lot of ways, I would really like to just disengage from the entire debate because for the most part, there's no having a rational discussion with a lot of these people. I've realized that there are a lot of people who are basically just vomiting emotion, and when you try to make any kind of salient logical point, uh, it's just pointless. You're beating your head against the wall. But there are a couple of things that I'm going to address today, uh, at least as far as the constitutional issues go, because the constitutional issues are cut and dry, and these myths need to be slayed, set aside, and then we can move on to something else. So here's the first myth, and this doesn't really have anything to do with the Constitution. It's just something that I keep hearing over and over again, and that's this idea that nobody's coming to take your guns. I've had at least five people tell me that today, and quite frankly, that is bovine scat. There are people that are coming to take away at least certain kinds of guns. Uh, Just do a quick Google search of assault weapon ban, and you'll find all kinds of things. In fact, the state of Rhode Island has uh, already proposed a bill to ban assault weapons in the state, and there was an op-ed, I think it was in the uh, Connecticut newspaper, their main uh, paper there in Hartford, talking about how we need to have uh, the assault rifle ban reinstated at a national level. So don't tell me that people aren't coming to take away guns. They might not be coming to take away all of the guns, but there are people who want to take away guns. And, you know, I've been involved in politics for a long time, and I un- understand incrementalism uh, as well as anybody. And I know that the assault weapon thing is a foot in the door. Nobody's going to get anywhere saying we're going to take away your handguns. So they're going to start with the low-hanging fruit. Uh, they're going to take away the scary black guns, and then they'll move on to other things from there. So just just stop with the they don't want to take away your guns because that's a bunch of BS. 
Now, the second myth that I want to address actually relates to the Second Amendment, and that's this idea that's floating around uh, that the Second Amendment was not intended to let people have military-grade weapons. Uh, hello? That's exactly what the Second Amendment was for. The weapons they were talking about when they ratified the Second Amendment were military weapons. Now, whenever I point this out, I always get some version of this retort. Well, does anyone think the founders of our nation foresaw weapons like we have today? I think they'd expect us to make common sense reforms. Okay, actually, the founders weren't dumb, and I'm pretty sure they realized that more powerful weapons would come along down the line. But whether or not they foresaw AR-15s or AK-47s really misses the point. The purpose of the Second Amendment wasn't to ensure people would always have the ability to go hunting, and it wasn't even primarily meant to allow people to defend their homes and families. The Second Amendment was included in the Bill of Rights for one very simple reason, to ensure the people would always have the means to match the firepower of a federal army. It was intended to ensure that people could resist tyrannical government with force in the last resort. The founding generation understood that an unarmed populace would open the door for the government to trample its liberties. And they were worried that the delegation of power to Congress to arm and regulate the militia might open the door for the general government to disarm the militia. That's why various ratifying conventions insisted on the Second Amendment. It was to make clear that the federal government has no authority to infringe in any way, shape, or form on the right to keep and bear arms. Let me put this in simplest terms. The Second Amendment was meant to ensure that we could take on our government if necessary. Now, I know this sounds radical to modern ears, but this is exactly what the founding generation said. For instance, in 1787, Noah Webster wrote an essay in support of ratification of the Constitution, and he forcefully argued that an armed people would serve as a check against a national standing army. He said, the supreme power in America cannot enforce unjust laws by the sword because the whole body of the people are armed and constitute a force superior to any band of regular troops that can be, on any pretense, raised in the United States. A military force at the command of Congress can execute no laws but such as the people perceive to be just and constitutional, for they will possess the power, and jealousy will instantly inspire the inclination to resist the execution of a law which appears to them unjust and oppressive." Look, the American colonists had firsthand experience with government attempts to strip away their means of self-defense. In fact, British efforts to disarm the American colonists was what led to the very first shots of the American Revolution. The Redcoats marched on Concord with the explicit purpose of capturing or destroying guns and powder belonging to the colonial militias. During the Virginia Ratifying Convention, George Mason actually referred to British efforts to disarm the colonists as he argued for the need to protect the right to keep and bear arms. And I'm not going to read the whole quote, but I'll put it in the show notes page. But the bottom line is the local militia was the check against governmental power. And no, the Second Amendment wasn't just for some special group of people in the National Guard. Just read the words, the rights of the people to keep and bear arms. And as 
Noah Webster alluded to in his essay, the militia was considered to be the whole body of people. George Mason defined the militia during the Virginia Ratifying Convention. He said, Mr. Chairman, a worthy member is asked, who are the militia? If they be not the people of this country, and if we are not to be protected from the fate of the Germans, Prussians, etc., by our representation, I ask, who is the militia? They consist now of the whole people, except for a few public officers. Now, I guarantee you somebody out there right now is thinking, well, Mike, you aren't going to hold off the U.S. Army with your AR-15. Well, tell that to the Afghani tribesmen with AK-47s and RPGs. They've not only held off the U.S. Army for more than a decade, they beat the mighty Soviets. And uh, while you're at it, you can also talk to some Vietnamese peasants. One doesn't have to be an advocate of violent revolution to recognize the danger of allowing the government to have a monopoly on guns. I'm not pro-violent revolution, but it's a matter of a balancing power. You have to balance power with power. The government will be far less likely to become tyrannical or oppressive when the people maintain the ability to resist. When you remove the option of self-defense, it tips the scales of power toward the government. And that opens the door to tyranny. Let's be honest. The government doesn't have the best record in the world when it comes to watching over the needs of the people and, uh, you know, handling firearms in a, uh, shall we say, uh, responsible manner. Look, there's no doubt that technology has certainly changed over the last 250 years or so, but human nature hasn't changed. Government is still prone to abuse the people when it can get away with it. Power still corrupts. Absolute power still corrupts absolutely. So as far as I'm concerned, I'll be willing to give up my guns when the government is willing to give up theirs. Well, that's it for this episode of Thoughts from Harry Head. We're another 10 minutes closer to freedom. I really appreciate you listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, do me a favor and spread the word. And feel free to send me any thoughts or ideas at michael.mahary at 10th amendmentcenter.com. And if you haven't done it already, please head over to iTunes and subscribe to the podcast for free. Thanks again for listening, and I'll talk to you next week.